On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Grotesque, nonsensical, meaningless drivel. Obviously stupid garbage. Everything shouts fake from the score to the direction. This film has nothing to say. Benedict Mitchell, 03-235 from IMBD. A mostly underwhelming endeavor that does, at the very least, fare better than Ducor News. Nigh unwatchable, raw. David Nasser from Real Film Reviews. I don't think I can recommend this movie to anyone. At least no one I want to remain my friend. Edward Douglas from The Weekend Warrior. Grimy visuals, unappealing characters, nasty imagery, and carrying an overwrought plot. Tan wasn't intended for everyone, and it certainly won't be for everyone. Matt Hudson from What I Watched Tonight. The Har. The Har. How a mix of cheap horror film with porn wins La Palme d'Or has the jury become crazy. Ebert. From IMBD. Psychopath Cinema. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. I watched 15 minutes of it and stepped out of the movie theater for Rod Rosh on IMBD. This movie has everything and has nothing. No amount of good acting, cinematography, music, and lighting can save this disastrous story. Sky Ish Cooper Clips Lover 37297 from IMBD. This movie is only entertaining in solitary confinement for 30 years. Otherwise, it's the pits. Swerve to tan like it is urine in your drinking water. Ningashita 999 from IMDb. In case you haven't guessed, this week we're covering Julia Ducournu's Palme d'Or winning body horror, Titan. So grab your hairpins, rev your engines, and ready your body because this is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Hello, I'm Katie. Hi there, I'm Brittany. And, and this-, <laughs> this is the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. We're having Yay. a night. We are, we are. How are you, Britt? How's it hanging? It's been, you know a lot about this. It's been a rough week. We had, um, yes. we we lost a very good friend. And due to the respect yeah. of their family, we're not talking or giving details. Um, but it's been incredible, incredibly hard. And I've yes. been kind of manic uh, in that I'll be okay one minute and crying the next. And um, yeah. It's, Which is normal. Yeah, it's it's been rough, and um, I you know I know some of you guys are you say your prayers, and some of you guys send good thoughts out in the universe. If you do either, or if you just keep my friends, family, and loved ones in your thoughts or prayers, I I would so appreciate that. But um, that's just kind of been weighing on my mind. Um, what about you, Katie? How's your week been? I'm I'm okay. I between what's going on with you and friends, and then. Even more friends have been having hard things. I haven't had anything, knock on wood, when personally, but I've had a lot of friends have rough things happen and you can't do anything when your friends have bad things happen except just offer yourself if they need you. And that always makes me feel like sad 
And I feel like, like, I've just, and uh, the Ukraine situation has been, Slav Ukraine, uh, it's, I have been watching it nonstop, which I don't know if it's good or bad, but I already watch a lot of news stuff, so, when I'm not watching movie stuff, so, it's been, that's been weighing on my mind, and then, personally, a lot of friends have had stuff going on, so, like, Oh, I mean, I'm okay. I just feel like my brain is a little, like, fuzzy. Yeah. Which, at least this movie was kind of an escape, because it's so... (laughs) Titan is so over the top. It is. I... Per, unlike the one-star reviews we read to intro this film, like, I personally very much enjoy the ride that you're on when you watch that movie. It's been, it's been kind of, it's been a weird week. I'm hoping things are going to be better by next week. We'll see. I hope. I hope. And this, we're, we're still two weeks ahead, so I don't know what will happen when we release this episode, especially with Ukraine yeah. and other things. Oh my god. So... I know, but it's been, it's been weird, but I'm fine. I just feel weird because I, I don't know, like, it's just been a weird couple of weeks. Yeah. But, you know, such is life, I guess. I don't know. I'm hoping it's a transitional period into a better time. Maybe something's in retrograde. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I hope, like, that's the thing. I, I can get where it's like, you're like, my brain's fuzzy. I'm like, yeah, I feel like that's like, definitely how most of us are feeling about the world events and then not even yeah. adding like if personal things are going on with your family or your friends it's like world events are already making your brain fuzzy and then i i've been getting these mental blocks where it's like i things that i normally can do with ease i've been struggling to do which is why we advocate on groundhouse girls podcast we're very much about the self-care aspect and you know some days you brush your teeth and you take a shower and that's successful Um, And some days you get out of bed and that's successful. So, you know, you can't always measure your success in the same way every day when events like this are going on. I think that is very well said. Yeah. And yeah, that's, I did have a couple days this week where I didn't leave the house. I didn't have to work. Like it was like my day off. I was like, I'm not putting on makeup. I powered through the entirety of Euphoria because... The last two episodes of season two revolve around a play. And as I said, I think last week, those are some of my favorite episodes of TV shows. And so I was determined and I I ended up catching up just in time to watch the finale and it wrecked my soul. Oh, man. I understand why people like Euphoria. I think Noel Miller or Noelle Miller from YouTube and the Tiny Meat Gang podcast. That's a pretty funny podcast for two non-toxic men talking about things. Cody Co. and Noelle Miller, they're pretty funny. They used to do That's Cringe on YouTube where they would like cringe at cringy things on the internet. But he was like, you know, Euphoria has like amazing cinematography, mid-level corny dialogue, and really good acting. So like, the dialogue is really stupid. (laughs) And it's very sexual, but, like, the acting is really, really amazing, and the cinematography is gorgeous. So, if you're a film buff, especially a theater buff season two, like, I definitely recommend Euphoria, because it is very beautiful to look at. It's really good. I'm glad they only have eight episodes a season, because it's kind of a rough one to get through, because they're never, like... (laughs) not happy oh no happy series well i mean the main character is struggling with drug addiction in high school and it's just everyone is like it's kind of like mad men but there's enough comedic timing and zendaya 
or Zendaya. I'm never sure exactly how you say her first name because everyone says it differently. She's the narrator and she has really good comedic timing. So she usually makes light of things while they're happening. But then the last two episodes, because they were watching the play, she's not narrating it. Yeah. So it's very much more experiencing it, how the characters are experiencing it. And we had to bid adieu to a very beloved character. But we didn't have to bid adieu to the character that I thought we were going to have to bid adieu to. So I'm kind of okay with it. But I'm also like, it was really, really sad. So, and also it was like kind of an entertaining character. So I'm like, but it's great. And like, it's really well coordinated. Like there's a whole episode where Rue is like supposed to go to rehab. And then she like runs out of her mom's car into moving traffic. And then she's just like being pursued by her parents and the police and other people throughout the entire episode. And it's like very, in- it was such a well done episode. Zendaya is so good. Like she's such a good young actor. Yeah. I really think she's super talented. I didn't really get the hype until I saw Euphoria. Gonna- and and then like, I was like, yeah, oh, okay, sense. no, this girl. She was cute in the first Spider-Man movie. Cause I've only seen the first yeah. one. Like she was good, but like, it's kind of like that character. Like she's very much just like, I'm too cool for school. But add a heavy drug addiction and really, really bad depression. But it makes, she's gone through some rough stuff. So like, yeah, it's definitely grief induced drug addiction. It's a good show. Y'all should watch it. Yeah, that's awesome. Is there anything else that you've watched that you, you should tell us about? So I'm trucking through Oscar noms tomorrow. We actually get a bunch coming to streaming services, but I managed to watch The Hand of God, which was interesting. It's up for foreign film Mm -hmm. or do we call it foreign language film? I think it's technically now best international film. Yeah, it's what they do. You're you're good. You're good. So international I film. Yeah. No, you're good. Did you like it? I think it's really beautiful. It's kind of fun. I, I I don't I have watched a few Italian films, but not like I wouldn't say I'm like super versed in it, but like one of my favorite films is Life is Beautiful, which is an absolutely gorgeous Italian film. I still like Life is Beautiful better, even though it's about the Holocaust, which is not funny. But the first half of Life is Beautiful is funny. It's autobiographical, like you said when you saw it. So like I understand why some things aren't trimmed down because they're trying to honor people from their lives. The director is. And so I get that. But like there was some stuff like I kind of was like, I think we were talking about this earlier, like the ending kind of petered out and then just kind of ended. So it was kind of like all of that. And then I was like, okay, and now it's just and now it's just ending. And I was kind of like, it wasn't a very grand ending, but if it's autobiographical, I mean, I guess you can't really... I don't know. Sometimes yeah. I think, like, when it's a movie, you can change some of the facts to make it a little more grand and cinematic, you know? You know what's interesting, though, is that Belfast is also completely autobiographical, and yet I think it's a lot more palpable for people. Like, this movie... Yeah. This movie, I did like Hand of God, and I, I, I told you... I, I think it's, it. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. It's one of the prettiest movies I've seen this year. But it yeah. does have some subject matter... It has some subject matter that's universal. Yeah. That Some universal matter that we can't talk about without spoiling a huge part yeah, of the movie. But then there's... It's, it's incredible. It's heartbreaking. But there's also some subject matter that I think is so foreign... To a lot of people that it's... Yeah. Like his relationship... Well, I guess we can yeah. say... <laughs> his relationship with his aunt. Well... Just leave it at that. <laughs> I could see it winning because it's very, like, classic movie. 
Like, it's not anything new, but it's very beautiful. And yeah. this director has won an Oscar before, so. And see, I, I know we will be tuning in. I'm sure you have this on your list this week. I have it on my list this week. To drive My Car is coming to HBO Max. Yeah. And I still. And West Side Story. I, I haven't seen Drive My Car yet. I will be seeing it this week, but I still think yes. everything tells me that Drive My Car is going to be an international film winner. I Yeah, it depends. It's supposed to be kind of a thriller, so I'm a little more excited about it. Oh, okay. And also, worst person in the world is playing in theaters, so I might get to see that. We might get to see that this week. Yeah. I don't think it's streaming anywhere before the Oscars, but King Richard is streaming before the Oscars, but not before... We record our episode on Oscars, yes. so I probably won't get to see the Oscar King Richard before the Oscar episode. I will say very quickly for our viewers, because we are filming two weeks ahead, uh, the worst person in the world will be on Apple TV, I think March 16th. So it's not available oh, okay. stream now, but it will be on Apple TV in the next couple of weeks. So for you, those of you listening, you will have a chance to see it before the Oscars if you choose to do so. Which I think yes. is recommended because it is nominated for Best International and Best Original Screenplay. And it, I've heard really good things about it. And we'll try, I feel like in our Oscar episode, we'll try to mention like if it's streaming where yeah. you can watch it. I tried to make a list for myself. And for Brit, like, on our, our Google Docs, because I was like, I have to keep track of all of these. Yeah. Because I was very, like, I wanted to watch some of the documentaries, but I just, like, I'm trying to get through the best picture ones for sure yeah. first. And I feel, the only, I mean, honestly, I just needed kind of a palate cleanser, which is why I watched Euphoria. And it's a good show. Yeah. But, and nothing was really streaming other than the Hand of God picture-wise that I haven't already watched yet. So tomorrow, everything's coming on streaming pretty much. So I'm like, okay, we're going to hit the ground running tomorrow. I think I will say this real quick. So I, I know you and Taylor are almost neck and neck at this point. I've seen... <laughs> I've seen nine of the ten. I've seen nine of the ten best picture nominees, and Taylor's seen eight of the ten. So Taylor has Drive My Car and West Side Story, and then he'll be he'll see all yeah. of them. I've got those two, and then King Richard and Coda. But Coda's on Apple TV, yes. so I'm going to watch that this week too. Which I've actually been wanting to watch that one. I love Coda because it looks good, and it won Best Ensemble at the SAG Awards. So yes, it's quite possibly has a good chance of winning Best Picture. I don't think i watched anything else did you get to watch anything else that we didn't already talk about so i've only i only got to watch for a few different reasons i only got to watch two things and i've watched the lost daughter how do you like it i like it um i know we've talked about this in the past some of my favorite movies are movies that to me kind of you watch them but they make you think of literature and i definitely i definitely if no one had told me this was based off a book i could hands down tell it was based off a book because of oh, the yeah. way there's so much subtext like there's so and olivia coleman mm -hmm. is incredible in this i yes. i think this is going to be a very tough year for best actress i love jessica chastain she's probably my personal favorite but i would yeah, not be mad i want jessica to win i wouldn't be mad if olivia or, or kristen stewart took it because they both were phenomenal yeah. in the lost daughter and spencer and honestly i won't we won't get to see parallel mothers i i don't think it's coming anywhere on streaming or anywhere in theaters near us yeah i wouldn't be mad if penelope cruz wins because mm -hmm. i think she's a really good actress and she's certainly put in her time nicole kidman's the only one that i'm like you've already one best actress and i frankly think they should have picked a more comedic actress to play lucille ball in my opinion but i haven't watched being the ricardos yet so i don't think maybe i'm wrong i like being the ricardos the only thing is i think it's a little messy 
in my opinion. I don't mm-hmm. think her performance was bad. I'm not saying that. God knows she can outact me any day. But at the end of the day, oh, she's great. At the end of the day, I just don't think she's the strongest in the category, in my personal opinion. But yeah, I I really like the lost daughter. I thought Jesse Buckley was an incredibly convincing she's, younger yeah. Olivia Coleman. I, I thought just she feel was. Like- I feel like I would have liked to see each of those characters as their own movie. I felt like it was a lot in one movie for me to watch both of those stories. Even though it is the same character, they are so different. Yeah. I know it's the point, but I feel like I would have liked them to... I feel like it maybe would have made a better miniseries than a movie. Yeah. Like, I feel like it really could have been a really interesting fleshed out miniseries. But it's really good, though. I think it's a really good directorial debut by Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. She honestly has some real talent. I just think trimming things, trimming the fat is the only note I'd have for The Lost Daughter. Because it's a good movie. Dakota Johnson's surprisingly great in it, too. She was. Not surprisingly. She's a good actress. I'm surprised she didn't get nominated for supporting. Yeah. I guess it was like her, I think her performance, like, to me indicated like okay there's something there and if she continues to take on more dramatic roles like these i think i could definitely see her as being like a contender in the future because this was a good for casual viewers i mean we obviously know her from suspiria but i mean most people know her from 50 shades of gray yeah which isn't her best work and it's not her fault yeah jamie dornan is a great actor and he is not great in 50 shades but it's trash material jamie dornan so much it's funny because jamie dornan is in belfast and he's 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 phenomenal in belfast he's a great actor when he's doing his irish accent it's when he's doing an american accent it's like he stiffens up and can't like act or something yeah i don't know it's but what really was the other thing interesting. you watched? Oh, um, so the other thing I watched, I did watch the Screen Actors Guilds Award on Sunday. And yeah. admittedly, because I have been in a funk, my mom literally messaged, my mom is, is sick and she's in bed a lot, but she did message me. She's like, I don't want to bother you, but the Screen Actor Guilds Awards are all, and I was like, oh, fuck. So like, I immediately like ran. I didn't know they were televising them, yeah. but I just paid attention to the winners. Well. Jessica Chastain oh, took it God. home. Jessica Chastain, uh. Troy Kosur, who plays, who is actually a deaf actor, won Best Supporting. And let me tell you, that's another very hard category this year is Best Supporting Actor because there's a lot of great supporting actors this year. But uh, he was... between him and certain Hins, who I always mispronounce his name, who plays who plays Grandpa in Belfast, no idea he was also Mance Raider. It looks like yeah. Syrian Hines. Maybe Syrian Hines. I think it's Karen. Karen. I think it's Karen. Maybe. Karen or Karen. You may be it's right. It's Irish. I'm sorry. He's amazing. I've seen people phonetically write it out. Yeah. That's the only reason I think it's not Syrian. Yeah. He was Mance he Raider. He was Caesar. He was Mance Raider, yes. Mm. But he was also Caesar in or no or mark anthony in rome okay the hbo series I never that saw was it. It, like it was like a precursor to game of thrones it was really high quality historical fiction but and it was like very sexy but then it got canceled okay. and they never finished it i i saw like the first like season it was interesting it wasn't quite the quality it was more like game of thrones the first like three 
episodes. I, I, he's, he's so good in Belfast, but I, I love Troy Crusher and Coda. Coda has, I've been, Katie's had to hear me ramble about this for months now, but like. I'm excited to see Coda I, I, it's probably, I love coming of age stories. It's probably my best favorite, favorite best picture nominee. But yeah, I, I liked it. It was very interesting. I have to give credit where credit's due. I got a lot of my predictions were correct, but Taylor did actually beat me in predictions for screen actors. Ooh, So it was really good. But Coda did win Best Ensemble Cast in a Film at the end of the night. And that was a very pleasant thing to see. Um, Will Smith won Best Actor. Andrea DeBose, who plays Anita in West Side Story, we knew she was going to take it. She's been killing it this award season. Yes. And I'm very excited for you to see West Side Story, Katie, for that reason. But with that, I think we're going to, like, actually, like, get into Titan. Yay! So, with that, um, we're going to get into Titan. I want to say Titan, but Julia Ducournau said Titan. So, I'm going to say that she is right. That's how we're going to be pronouncing it, and you can take it up with her if it's wrong. And I think the last time I talked about it, I was like, Titan! So, I'm sorry. Titan is a French body horror family drama film. And you can probably go to our episode on Raw to get a lot of background on the director, Julia Ducournau. Ducournau? I do sound like Bongiorno. Bongiorno. But Oh, it is, it is on Hulu. I don't think we mentioned that yet, but it's on Hulu. Yes, and it is on... It's streaming on Hulu. Thank you, Brett. You're welcome. And we and I know we briefly talked about this one when it came out because we went and saw in theaters because it won the Palme d'Or mm. and I was convinced it was going to get at least nominated for international feature, but it didn't even make the shortlist, although Wayne no. did. Oh, it did make the shortlist because it was a French submission, right? No. Oh, okay. It was the French submission, but it didn't make the shortlist. Mm. The shortlist is like 10 and then the top five are the nominees is what it looked like when I was checking the Vanity Fair does a really good okay. job of listing them and the Oscars themselves. But yeah, it didn't make the official Oscar shortlist, which I was very surprised. Well, not so surprised. It's too cool for the Oscars. Let's just put it that way. I will say, did you see the did you see the comment where she that she's like, I was shocked that it was the entry for the Academy Awards because it doesn't represent traditional yeah. <laughs> French submissions. And so I thought that was interesting. No. It makes me think, though, I will say... It makes me feel in the future that we may see more interesting films being submitted for these type of award ceremonies. Yeah. So that is exciting to think about. I think so. I I will say, you know, I was really disappointed. But then I, you know, saw The Piano Teacher last year for the first time. And it also won the Palme d'Or. Yeah. And was not nominated for any Oscars. So I do think sh- this is only her second film. Mm-hmm. She shows amazing promise as a filmmaker. I was listening to a couple podcast interviews for this movie, which don't listen to them if you don't want spoilers because you can't talk about this movie without spoilers. Um, one was from the Real Blend podcast. And like they when they got done with her and said goodbye, they were like, I feel like I just took a master class. And she's, it's only her second feature yeah. like she just she knows how to manipulate her audience she was describing a specific scene and how she you know wanted people to decipher it and beat by beat like what you're supposed to feel with each portion of the scene with each, each action and like the person was like that's exactly how i felt and like it was exactly how i felt when i saw the scene too and it was like she's just so good and like i will say I feel like this movie 
is like when we left the theater, Britt was like very accurately, it's kind of like two movies in one. It's one of those movies where the first half is very different than the last half. But the second time I saw it, I get more of what she's doing. Yeah. But I will say Raw is a little bit more of a through line. Yeah. So I would say Raw is more palatable than this one, which I never thought I'd say. I We got to see this in theaters and it's an absolutely gorgeous movie. It is a beautiful movie. And there are some unique things that happen in that movie. And I've said this before on the podcast, mm-hmm. but my husband is my everyman. So I feel like he is going to give me the most honest reaction, like not from a film critic point of view, but what like a, a pretty average person would say. And Taylor really liked it. He really actually oh, liked it. I actually haven't asked him yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm, su- I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah. He said that what you know when we were done watching it. He said I actually he's like that's not a bad movie. I actually like that movie, and I think there's a lot of themes that we'll get into when we discuss the spoiler yes. aspects. But I I yes. do for all the <laughs> all the insanity in the movie. I think there is a beating heart that a lot of people can relate to in this film. Yes, it's surprisingly when you hear her talk about like the meaning of the film, it's surprisingly sweet. Yeah. And not corny, but just, like, sentimental. And I was, like, pleasantly surprised. And I do think she has a lot of depth to her movies. And Definitely. I'm excited that she might, you know, because uh, Michael Haneke finally won an Oscar with Amour. Oh, so God. maybe she'll finally <laughs> get to win one. I know someone was explaining. I was, like, looking Oof. at, a, like, a list of best foreign horror. And they're, like, I mean, you could argue all of Michael Haneke's movies are horror movies, even Amour. Amore, I will say this very quickly, Amore was so traumatic when I watched it, I've never watched it again. But not only did it, uh, like, has she won at Con? her short one at Con in 2011, Raw won the Popresky? Not sure what it stands for, prize at 2016 Con, which I don't know if... Presky is the is like the film board, I right? Think so. so it's like the film board grading on it? Yeah, I, think, pr- I think um, it might be the a, press. Yeah. I think there's an actor in this movie who had a film. He's he's an actor in the film, but he's also a director. His yeah. film won that award at Cannes. And this was also nominated for the Queer Palm, which, I mean, there's definitely queer mm-hmm. ass, though. Like, like, Stranger by the Lake won the Queer Palm. So, like, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. This one, I was like, I was like, I guess? But yeah. I, I think it, something else won it. So, deservingly so, I would guess. Because... It was kind of just more open-minded, but I always kind of assume that's just because they're French and they're not as buttoned up about sexuality as uh, we Americans are. Did you also, you probably, now as we know from talking about Raw, she she's like, I am a woman that happens to be a director. I don't like being labeled as a female director. However, in the lamest terms, she is the second woman director to win the Palme d'Or mm-hmm. too. And the first is Jane Champion. And the only one. Yeah. Yeah. The only one to solo win it because Jane Campion yeah. had to share it with the director of Farewell My Concubine. I did not know that. I did not see that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Which I can't remember his name, but mm-hmm. I remember that movie. Yeah. That's really cool. But I but I thought it was yeah. interesting because Jane was actually nominated for the piano and uh, she won Best Screenplay. Yeah. She won Best Screenplay at the Oscars, and I think she was nominated for Best Director, but did not win. So you do see there was a director that... wasn't it Best 
actress and supporting actress because it was Anna Paquin yes. and Holly Hunter, right? I think it won three awards. Yeah, I think it was the actor, best actress, best supporting actress, and then best original screenplay. I think was the three awards. All the but ladies won that year. It's amazing, but you know, but once again, you do see a film that was a both Palme d'Or and Oscar winner, so it is possible. But I think the <laughs> piano was more buttoned up a little bit more than a little this bit movie more. Is. Yeah. A little, I need to, I actually <laughs> From, need to watch the piano. I've heard incredible things Me too, things like, about I it. know about it. Uh-huh. I know about the piano. I've seen stills from it, but I've never actually sat down and watched it. Now that I've watched The Power of the Dog, I more want to see it because yeah. I really like her as a director. But yeah. The weird thing is, she actually wrote this movie with, like, writing consultants. Oh, okay. I didn't which know that. I you had a good, you, you listened to, you read a couple interviews where she was telling, like, her inspiration, mm-hmm. which I don't know, the one you were talking about, is that too much of a spoiler to talk about? I, I, that's a great question. I know you did want to keep that aspect. Of a spoiler. I will say that part of her inspiration came from Greek mythology and the way the earth and the planet and the universe was created for Greek mythology, which was, of course, Gaia and Kronos mating. So there is a, uh, what do we call this, a world creation myth that's essentially happening in this movie, which is really interesting. Yeah. So, <laughs> And the Titans helped yes. create. And also she apparently had a nightmare that inspired part of this as well. But we won't say what it was about because it will spoil the movie, which I'm not going to, I'm going to use what she used on IMDb and in the the marketing before the movie was released only because I think the fact that I knew so little about it really made me want to watch it more because I'm like, what is this movie about? But she did have some writing consultants, which did you have these people written down, Brent? No, you can go ahead. Okay. Jock I'm probably mispronouncing all of their names because I don't know how they pronounce their names. Jacques Acody, who wrote An Ordinary Mother, which I have heard of, The Heart's Cry and Thelma. And then Simonetta Greggio, Greggio, I think, which I didn't have anything else mm-hmm. on them. And Jean-Christophe Bouzy, which I think is a fabulous last name, mm-hmm. um, who's also the editor for the movie. Oh, nice. And he also edited Raw... And Celine Siama's Water Lilies. Oh, nice. Okay. So, I thought that was cool. And then the cinematographer, Ruben Impens, is the same cinematographer as Raw as well. And apparently she loves her crew so much, from Raw and, and Titan, that she doesn't want to work with another crew. And she thinks she thinks that that's one of the reasons why her movie is so great, is because she has a great crew and she's very demanding and they all understand that. And people are always like, how do you get your crew to do this stuff? She's like, I just tell them that that's what we need for the scene and they do it because they're good at their jobs. I love her in interviews. She shoots people down in not a mean way. She's just very honest. Yeah, she is. She's very honest. I don't. I didn't look up her star sign, but she seems like she could possibly be like a Leo. Um, was there anything else you wanted to expand upon? I think we, uh, some few of the things that we talked about before making sure it may, we, it may bleed into when we talk about the actors of the movie. I will say again, again, that she, I think we touched upon this in Raw, but just coming back to, because so many people do consider this movie an element of body horror, is that she sees body oh, yeah. horror as more as closing the distance between the audience and the character. And mm-hmm. this is... 
this is a slight spoiler, um, but the character is a psychopath, and she knew you weren't going to emphasize yep. what the character, but she wanted you to still be able to have empathy for the character and she does that for the body horror in this film and it's very fascinating and very cool asset of the movie and i think you do feel sympathy for the character as the movie goes on because of that so i think that yes. was actually very brilliant on her part yeah she actually said because the beginning and the end are very different mm -hmm. and she actually stated in the podcast i listened to you can't talk about love without showing a world without love mm-hmm which, once you see the movie, you'll totally understand. Because the main character is absolutely devoid of those feelings in the beginning and eventually develops them through their relationship with another character. Yeah. We're going to give you the synopsis. And then you should go check this out on Hulu if you haven't already. Titan. It is spelled like Titan. Which makes sense because the synopsis is Titan. A metal highly resistant to heat and corrosion with high tensile strength alloys often used in medical prosthesis due to its pronounced biocompatibility they also make glasses out of titanium because they're really lightweight but also super strong you can literally bend a hinge of a titanium pair of glasses 90 degrees and still fix it nice so, fun fact fun fact but yeah, th we're going to have to get into spoilers because this movie goes off the rails really early. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed the movie thoroughly, personally, not knowing a ton about it, just knowing what they told us. I don't know. What do you think, Britt? Do you think it hooks people more to know what happens? I think it may be a, I think it may be a smoother ride going in because if you don't yeah. know, if you don't know anything about the movie and then you saw that scene, you'd probably be like, what the fuck is happening? But me, I, I only had that part spoiled for me. Um, and didn't have anything else from the movie. So I knew that part was coming and it came very early. Um, and then everything else was a complete yeah. surprise. And I wish I could say that was the weirdest part of the movie, but honestly, it's it's pretty normal in in the scope of the movie. So if you don't want any spoilers, skip to the end. If you want a light spoiler, listen for about five minutes and yeah. then skip to the end. But just watch the movie first. So I guess we're going to get into spoilers technically from now on. So we start the movie starts with a little girl mm -hmm. named Alexia and she is basically being the brattiest of bratty children and she's annoying the shit out of her dad who's just trying to drive them somewhere. And her dad's played by Bartren Bonello who seems to be mostly a director. He doesn't have a lot of acting credits, but he's mostly a director. It's really interesting because he uh, is part of the new French Extremity. So a lot of his films, from my, oh. understand, my understanding, are sexually graphic. But that's like a, a common kind of new wave of film in France. But he directed and wrote The Pornographer. Yeah. And Pornographer was the one that mm. I believe won the Film Board Award at the Palme d'Or. So he's also a comms oh, winning hey. filmmaker. So yeah, which is really cool. Hey. But he also did St. Lauren and Teresia, which I have heard of those two movies. I have not seen them, but I was like, oh, I've heard of those movies. So she's being super annoying. And she's like, the dad tries to, he's not being a really great dad. Instead of like pulling over and talking to her, he just kind of ignores her and keeps turning the music up. Do you have a feeling, Taylor brought this up the first time he saw this child. He says something wrong with her. And I personally think it's kind of like a we need to talk about Kevin situation. Yeah. Where like she, 
hates her dad and she antagonizes him is what I yeah and I kind of felt that the first time I don't time think around. they ever had a good relationship yeah I don't either I did have a weird feeling the first time we saw this I was like why is he so ignoring her yeah like either there's something really wrong with him or there's something really wrong with her like so he tries to turn the music up to ignore her and then she starts kicking his seat and then she takes her seatbelt off and he yells at her, which I'm like, yes, it's bad that your kid took your seatbelt off. But like, okay, Gizmo does this to me. He has a little car seat, but he doesn't love the car. He loves going places, but he doesn't love cars because he used to get car sick when he was a puppy. And he will like literally be fine sitting in his car seat and he's buckled in to his car seat. But then as soon as I get on the highway, he's trying to climb in my lap or climb in the back seat. And I'm like, buddy, you can't. But the thing is like, I don't stop driving. Yeah. Because of that. But he does. He's, he literally turns the whole F around and crashes the car into a cement barrier. And you see like a big red blood splatter in the back of the car and uh, in the back seat. And you're like, I was like, oh, holy fuck. That girl's head went shaboom into that window. But they don't show like, it's not like they show like the whole car crash in slow motion or anything she survives it but she's fitted for a titanium plate in her skull and one of the one star reviews which i didn't include because it was too long was like this movie's like so disturbing but they did show a very realistic and accurate portrayal of brain surgery and it seemed like the person actually knew what they were talking about so i was like they must be like a medical person But, like, that's the first, like, kind of, like, visceral thing is, like, they just show her titanium plate being sewed into her head. And then she's in, like, what do you call the little halo thing she's in? I'm not sure what it's called, actually. But it's, like, the thing that keeps you from, like, moving your neck around after you've had traumatic surgery on your neck or your head. But it looks like a halo. And I think you had a really cool, like, insight into it. Yeah, so it's basically that Halo is supposed to be like almost like the crown of thorns. And she holds out her hands to her father almost like to show him the stigmata. So there is like, I wasn't aware of this, but there is a lot of kind of religious imagery for the movie. Yeah. So yeah, and it's, and I will go ahead and spoil this a little bit for you. So at this point, Alexia is very much like Jesus. And this comes back over and over again where she is supposed to be like Jesus, but also like the Virgin Mary, which is interesting because she's definitely not. Yeah. So yeah. I found that interesting. And like France is a pretty heavily Catholic. I think they've got a lot of Protestants too. But like when I was going to Catholic school, they were like, France is super Catholic. But then they're also like, but they're not very active. So I feel like it's kind of like in Greek culture where like Greek mythology isn't practiced anymore. Like the Greek gods, I shouldn't say mythology, the Greek gods aren't practiced anymore. But it's all steeped in their culture because historically it's just there. Honestly, crucifixion, Virgin Mary kind of stuff is super heavy Catholic. There's like giant crucifixes in every Catholic church. Like specifically crucifixes. Because yeah. like, I got one for my confirmation from France. It's a French That's pretty crucifix. cool. That is pretty cool. Super fancy. You should tell them what happens when she is released from the hospital. One, she's like a total brat, but she immediately goes to the car and like kisses it. Like it's like her parents. And she doesn't, she doesn't really seem to hate her mom as much, but she doesn't really seem to like a relationship with her either. Like her mom definitely seems to care more, but her mom's much more absent. And it's obvious that her relationship with her dad is the one that is shaping her character. And apparently she'd rather love a car than her parents. So we move on to her being an adult. And I love this. I I do have to say real quick. Uh, so we do see her. You're right. She we the next thing she's an adult. So when we saw adult. this in the 
when we saw this in the theater, like I was fucking mesmerized, <laughs> mesmerized, but also by the scene. by the song too. I love the song she picked for the movie, and so what? I, okay, what was the song? Because I was trying to find it, and I was having a hard time locating it. It's called Ash and Ice by The Kills. Okay, because somebody was saying it's called Doing It in the Dark by Ash and White, and I think they were messing it up. Yeah, it's Ash and Ice by The Kills, and because I, so what happened, I've been looking for this fucking song since I've seen it in the movie, and then I, I kept yeah. putting, like, Tatane opening song, and finally someone said Wayfaring Stranger, which is playing in the opening when we see her in the crash as a little girl, but it's not yeah. this song, and so I literally had my, like, the movie was playing on Hulu, and I literally had my phone ready to get the song, and then it literally oh, showed the, t- it literally showed the title of the song in my subtitle oh good uh so she's an adult and she's now played by and this is the french pronunciation and i may murder it i'm sorry agate roussel which i think it's the french version of agatha because it's basically agatha with an e instead of an a at the end alexia is played by her she's this was really her first big film she's only done two other short films yeah and you know how she was you know how she was found uh instagram and i love so julia has this way of she says i I'm the same way, don't get me wrong, but Julia always says these very loaded things in her interviews. So when she was looking yeah. to cast the she was looking to cast Alexia, she wanted someone that looked androgynous and wanted a virgin, I'm putting this in quotations, a virgin of the cinema that wouldn't bring a oh. history of other films with them. So they specifically look for an actress so that people wouldn't know. Because they want her to be Which transformative. I like. Yeah. And sh- I think Britt said, Wow. This opening number was worth the price of admission because yes. Alexia's job is she's like a dancer, like a go-go dancer. I wouldn't call her an exotic dancer because she's always clothed, but she's like kind of like a go-go dancer at a car show. And she has a very sexual dance upon this car with flames all over it. And it's like neon colors. It's really cool looking. And she's like, she still has this really big scar from the surgery that she like specifically shows off a lot. Mm -hmm. And she fixes her hair as she's walking in with this. Okay, I always want to call it a chopstick because in the late 90s that we would put two of them in our hair. Yeah. But everyone calls it a hairpin in the synopsis. But it basically is like a pin that you hold your hair in it looks like a chopstick yes um and it's metal and get it it's metal like her plate and her head and like the cars <laughs> mm-hmm. to tan y'all and she's walking in she's got this badass jacket with a tiger on the back it was a lion or tiger i feel like it was a tiger yeah on I the back right. like screen printed on <laughs> and the scene was meticulously rehearsed for a month before they started filming and then on the filming day they had all these extras and then it kind of got wishy-washy so they ended up doing 37 takes of this one oneer it was like a one it's it's not really one shot because they switch camera hands Mm. but like a one oneer like like it was all coordinated kind of like that scene in goodfellas where they go in the restaurant but a little it was i mean it's very it's very similar to that but she basically walks in and you're like watching the male gaze because she's very like sexual, very like, what am I trying to say? Like, she, objectified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Objectified. And then she like looks in the car mirror to put on her lipstick and it's more of her gaze. And then there's a man checking her out and the camera moves and then it pans over to another dancer played by Garance Merrier from Raw, whose name is Justine, which is also the name of her character. 
in Raw, but I don't think it's supposed to be the same person. Fun fact. Uh, so Julia said they're not meant to be the same person, but they're, but it's also how Justin could turn out. So they're the same person, almost different oh. universes or different variations of the same person. So oh my god, is she going to be every movie? Yeah. Just the same character, but a different version? I want this. She said Garance is her muse, and so she continuously comes back to Garance Aww, for these parts. Yeah, That's cute. Mm-hmm. So... Yay, Garance. I want to see the girl that played her sister in Raw and more stuff, because I really liked her too. And then we go back to the male gaze and we see Alexia's dance, which is absolutely something to be seen. Like, it's not, I wouldn't say it's the most, it's nothing, it's not like any more risque than the music video to WAP, which I find refreshing and hilarious. It is. And so Aget did practice pole dancing for two months for this dance. So she really did put her whole body into it. And she said that dancing was never something that she was really interested in. She didn't find it empowering. And she said when she started taking pole dancing classes, her instructor was like, I'm going to teach you the ways that this is actually empowering for women. And she's like, I found a part of my femininity. I did it before. So I thought that was really cool too, that she took on this role and she did something she wasn't interested in and was like, actually, I kind of like this and i never thought i would but yeah she's yeah. a bad bitch uh, yeah you, if you like pole dancing dancing mm-hmm. uh definitely watch zola because there's a lot of pole dancing and like exotic dancing but honestly quite impressive but i feel like i can't recommend zola to everybody but yeah so she's doing this killer move and she has all these like fans which i was like i guess i just never thought that like dancers had fans but then i used to sign autographs after community theater shows so anything's possible, y'all. I mean, I wasn't even a good part. But these all these like men are like, oh, Alexia, Alexia. And she's okay, it's so interesting how she changes like her facial facial features when she's around her audience. She's so like feminine and like, uh-huh. Like very much like feminine in like the way that we like socially construct femininity is what I mean. Yeah. And that is a theme in this movie is gender roles and what does gender mean yeah and it's very interesting well again and julia also worked so closely on this character and so you know julia had told her movie she wanted her to watch and then meanwhile again did all this research on psychopaths and she said the biggest thing about psychopaths and you can really see this in the movie is that their expressions go through all the normal notions and emotions you would want them to but there's nothing behind the eyes and you see this a lot Mm -hmm. In the beginning of the movie with Alexia, where it's like you, she may yeah. be making all the face that you're wanting her to make, but the eyes are. It's like there's a disconnect there. Like Ted Bundy, mm-hmm. like Ted Bundy, like there was he was charming, but his eyes were creepy. And I did, I get, I got. I'm sorry. She mm-hmm. actually said that the fact that Julia told her, "I don't want any of yourself in this." This is not you. That actually gave her the freedom to be Alexia because she didn't want to be Alexia. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Especially not at the beginning. We'll get through this. Yeah. And we'll, I mean, but I do find it interesting seeing this story through her eyes instead of like any of the other characters' eyes because it's a very different look. Mm-hmm. So she ends up like taking a shower next to Justine and Justine is the only person who like talks to her, talks to her. And she's trying to make a conversation and be like normal. And then her hair gets caught in Justine's nipple ring and they're kind of like, I don't know if they're, they're kind of flirting, but not totally, but also just trying to be friendly coworkers. And then she ends up like ripping her hair 
out of the nipple ring and she was like i thought you said it didn't hurt she's like i mean it always hurts when you yank it i mean she doesn't like rip it out which i thought was gonna happen at any yeah. point in the movie i was like oh my god oh my god i don't want to see that that sounds terrifying but then she gets stalked by a fan into her car which is like her safe space because it's her car and this guy starts forcibly kissing her and okay this first sequence I was kind of rooting for Alexia because I was like, oh my God, he's like gonna like try to murder her. Like he's crazy. And he like puts his little head in, tries to make out with her and she takes the chopstick or hairpin out of her hair. She stabs him through the ear. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I mean, she's protecting herself, right? This first time. (laughs) But I was still like, I don't know. There was something, you never see her face. Yeah. While he's dying. And I think that's important. She's also way too comfortable doing it, it feels like. I don't think, to me, I feel like she was purposefully not showing Alexia's face. You see his face as he's dying. And I think that was on purpose. So you don't really know what her intentions are Mm -hmm. quite yet. Yeah. But it's pretty horrific because he's like foaming at the mouth all over her shoulder. Yeah. And so like she puts his dead body in the back of her car. And then she's like, oh my God, I got spit on my shoulder. (laughs) She seems so annoyed. So she goes to goes back to work to shower. And most of the cars are gone except for the one she danced upon. Yeah. The flame car. And she, this is, this is the weird part, y'all. So this is, if you don't want any spoilers don't listen to this part but if you don't mind she hears a bunch of metal banging and she's taking a shower so she walks out completely naked and the car is on by itself and is like jumping a little bit and she walks up to it caresses it like a lover and then has sex with the car yeah inside the car i have to say and my theory is the gear shift but she's also seems like she might be sitting in the back seat yeah so i don't know if it's just an extra long gear shift or if we're meant if this car has like a penis it grows i and that's what i know we were talking a little bit about this before <laughs> uh the podcast but i'm also like if it's loosely based on greek mythology i mean women were getting impregnated by swans by golden showers yeah. like it's possible that like she's impregnate or well she not even impregnate it's like it's possible that she has sex and we just are not meant to know the mechanics of it but it is interesting right. when you think about you like, don't see the yeah. penetration yeah it's not pornography Mm -hmm. yeah Um, not to quote parks and rec too hard but (laughs) when there's that episode where they're discussing pornography and the adult actress is like they're like when do you think it becomes pornography she's like when there's penetration (laughs) it's like okay all right i think she might say it a little more vulgarly but but she has a very satisfying trip with the car and then like the next morning she wakes up and there's like more motor oil they have this like kind of crude shot of her like butt to the camera where you can see like her underwear where her visage would be mm-hmm. and there's just like black motor oil and yep. i was like oh okay well uh, all right yep and it's like all over her legs too which makes sense i guess yeah and she's like that's weird but she like she still lives at home she obviously yeah. hates her dad she doesn't she barely talks to her dad it's so weird yeah and then it's like so we see this cold relationship and meanwhile it's in the background but they're talking about on the news how there's a fourth body that's been found so there's a serial killer loose in mm-hmm. in alexia's town and there's also a missing child mm-hmm. that's been missing for 10 years uh, thereabouts. i think so. it was 10 years she's just watching it and then like i don't know her dad and her like make separate meals together which okay i haven't like lived with my parents 
for an extended amount of time since I was in high school. I feel like I, when I stayed with my parents in between when I bought my house, like after I left my apartment, before I closed on my house, I still like ate meals with them and conversed with them. This was not like this. This is like an uncomfortable silence. Yeah. And her mom comes home and she's like, how are you doing, sweetie? And she's like, oh, my stomach hurts. She's like, oh, why don't you have your dad examine you? Because I think her dad's a doctor. Mm -hmm. It seems like, which Julia Ducournou's parents are doctors, which I don't think she has quite that bad of a relationship with her parents Mm -hmm. because the parents were a lot warmer and raw but it was also about the dad's relationship her dad's kind of like it's fine nothing's wrong with you and she it goes back to i think it cuts straight to her and justine Mm -hmm. yeah out on the docks yeah at the docks which this is like the french like beach side it's like this the ocean side of france there's a lot of water and they live like near the sea and they're making out at like these docks and someone i think it was sardonic cast they finally watched this movie and they were talking about how like she focuses on justine's nipple ring yeah but not really her like justine's like you know is this your first time with a girl you can go further down but she just keeps like sucking on her nipple ring yeah and it's like oh okay maybe it's titanium oh yeah which okay Okay, so this is like on Wikipedia. They're like the two engage in sex. They don't. I mean, they make out. Yeah, and it's foreplay. I mean, she she's you know caressing her breast and filling around with her breast. But I don't view this as sex. But once again, in our society, sex is different for different people. But I personally don't yeah. think this is sex. I think it's foreplay. And they end up kind of like she finally like pushes her off because it's painful. Yeah, and she's like what the fuck and then she's like are you coming and then like she runs away and you think she's just being a bitch but alexia like gets sick and throws up and so she tells justine she like for the first time has some kind of emotion and like like embraces her and is like i think i'm pregnant she doesn't say that but basically like it's implied that she tells her so she gets a pregnancy test and she takes one and it's positive and she's in the bathroom. And I, maybe the reason they think that they had sex is because she's now wearing Justine's shirt. Oh, Which I don't maybe. really know why. Because like her shirt was, maybe she threw up on her shirt. Oh, maybe. maybe. That's why. And also her shirt was more like maybe croppy. So maybe she was getting cold too because Justine's shirt was maybe. longer and covered more yeah but maybe that's why people assume that they had sex i don't yeah i don't really swap clothes with people yeah when i'm i don't know that seems weird but i thought that was kind of <laughs> i was like i was like i wouldn't say that's i don't know i don't know a lot of people were like we had sex and then i wore their underwear or i wore their shirt because i just felt like it unless they don't have their clothes nearby anyways this is kind of an intense scene because she takes her metal chopstick and she's gonna you know take care of the situation yeah which to me this is the first question i have is why didn't she just go to a doctor i i think personally she in the realm of this world she knew that it was a conception with a car and maybe she was afraid of what would have been aborted at the doctor's office i mean that's my feeling maybe i just feel like i would want medical attention if i was pregnant with a car baby which is why i'm saying maybe she is a virgin because yeah. except for the car because she's never had sex with a human being yeah because we don't know she 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 seems to be annoyed with human sex yeah like she half-heartedly is into justine but not completely and then like she obviously wasn't enjoying the fan who like mouth raped her so yeah. to me maybe maybe the virgin mary thing 
tracks. Yeah, and to me, it's also like she, once again, she goes through the motions. She does things with people that she knows is what she's supposed to do, but she doesn't really have an interest in having normal human relationships with people or like that's how i feel yeah she's a version of life of emotion she's a version of cinema too so she goes but so she's unsuccessful because like apparently her her womb is metal and therefore she can't penetrate it with the metal chopstick it just keeps making this like clanking noise and it's really visceral because like they don't show they show enough but not too much for you to understand what's going on i'm sure unless there was some movie you and i want oh the Black Coat's Daughter. Oh, yeah. Where we both watched with men and they both were confused about when she went to the bathroom and when she was, like, relieved that she wasn't pregnant. They were like, what? And I was like, because she no, got no. a period. Oh, and, my like, God. So maybe if you don't know about female anatomy, you wouldn't understand. But yeah. I think a lot of people have heard of the coat hanger solution. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure. Sorry, that's really vulgar. Like, I'm yeah. not trying to joke about this. It's not. But this movie, she is not an emotional person. And she just is kind of like, we're going to take care of the situation so that's terrifying but she's unsuccessful she goes to justine and it's this part really like got me the first time because they're making out and justine's like really really like sweet to her she's like how did you not know and she just like is like hugging her and then she just stabs her in the face yeah and justine's totally taken aback and she kills justine like she killed the other guy but then there's another person home and she's like oh shit and she just like the guy's like talking to her and i guess they're like at a house with a lot of roommates or something and they're all like have their own respective partners but she like grabs a a poker from the fireplace and just casually walks up to him and tries to attack him with it and he fights back but she ends up killing him with a stool Mm -hmm. and then this part made me laugh because she it's very visceral and not pleasant to look at but she ends up like sitting on top of the chair after she's done killing him yeah and just kind of being like oh man i'm tired this is exhausting and you're like it was kind of, the second time was funny the first time i was like what the fuck yeah and then there's another person yes up, oh there's a girl and she chases the girl to an upstairs bedroom and the girl's hiding herself in the bedroom and then another guy comes out and he's seems really nice i can't remember his name jerome sweet jerome and she's like how many of you are there (laughs) it's really like she's such a fucking oh well hey she goes how many are you how many of you are there and he literally lists off the people in the house which kind of clues her into what she needs to do so and and she like she ends up like embracing him and he's like are you okay she's like i'm so tired i'm i'm worn out and then she just stabs him with the poker through yeah. the back but then the girl and her have a tussle and the girl ends up escaping and then she's just decided she goes back to her parents home exhausted she has all the evidence she starts burning the evidence but then she just lets the fire get bigger and bigger and bigger and she ends up locking her parents in their room and just leaving the house to burn and she catches a ride to the outskirts of paris where she discovers that she is wanted because she's been reported to the police and she has a sketch a police sketch of her face and she gets an idea and she this okay this one this is the scene that julia was explaining to on this podcast and like every feeling that i was feeling throughout the scene she accurately describes 
and it's because she just knows how to cue her audience about how to feel. She decides to disguise herself as the missing little boy, and so she shaves her hair really short, and she tapes down her breasts, and dresses really shaggily, and then she, this is the, the grossest part, she snap breaks her nose, and she can't do it with her hand, so she ends up, like, slamming her face against the sink, and it's, it was almost like dog tooth level yeah. of awful and apparently the foley sound that they use to make that noise is snapping celery interestingly enough but the young man's name is adrian and she is met at the police station by adrian's father vincent yes who's played by vincent linden vincent yes he won best actor at the 2015 cons film festival for measure of a man uh he acted in la haine and he's done a hell of a lot of other french films but he's also been a voice actor for like the little prince he played a sheaf which was originally brian cranston's role in the french dubbing of isle of dogs and actually i don't know if you saw this but during a night out with julia who is a friend of a friend, over drinks, she said, I'm writing a script for you. And that means you have to say yes to me because if not, it's going to be difficult for me for, to do this movie. And he said that was honestly the best compliment he ever got in his entire life. And when he read the script, he just like his heart, it was like an animal reaction. His heart said yes. Like he's like, I have to do mm-hmm. this movie. But she didn't cut him any slack. He's in his 60s and she's like, I need mm-hmm. you to train. So over three months, he went twice a week for actual fire station to train for the role. And he would stay for 24-hour shifts at the fire station. You know, he also didn't hear from her for 24 hours or a few days after she offered that. And he thought she was joking and he joked to his mutual friend that was a really mean prank to pull on an actor oh and then she ended up like eventually giving him the script i was like that's so funny i don't know if you saw this but he also compared this movie to the shape of water and the uh interviewer was like how so and he's like they're essentially depicting love in a different kind of way and i thought that was interesting that out of all the movies in the world he compared it to the shape of water yeah i was like i don't really see that yeah but so you know whatever works exactly and he's like so Vincent, the character, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a fire chief at a firehouse, and he's like uber, like stereotypical masculine, but he's not what he appears. Mm-hmm. I will say that about this character. As the movie goes on, there is a softness and an unconditional love side to this man that is very refreshing. And I think it's something that, at least through my male friends, I, not everybody, but I have a lot of male friends and men I've dated where they have very difficult relationships with their fathers because it seems like a lot of people like in older generations, I think it's getting better, but a lot of men have difficulty expressing love, especially paternal love and unconditional love. And I don't know if I've just been exposed to people with those issues. It's not everybody, but like, I feel like more often it's men. Like, I feel like a lot of, that's a big problem with masculinity is like some people think that you have to cancel out the loving side of being a parent because you have to be like I'm a tough man and I don't think that's true and I think that actually can cause a lot of problems but he is the kind of person that on the surface you would assume is tough love kind of guy but he honestly isn't and I find that very refreshing in this character yeah and so he immediately embraces Alexia as Adrian refuses to do a DNA test and then Alexia tries to run away 
and he like grabs her and is just like, which I, I'm going to say her because I don't think she ever stops being Alexia. Yeah. But she is like, because she never really ceases to be herself. Because so, there was a really, really unkind review that said some like really transphobic things about this movie. Oh. And I was like, I don't think they're really trying to explore transgenderism in this movie. Yeah. So much as gender roles. Julia literally said that in this movie when someone mentioned some ideas that they had watching this movie that made them think that it was trying to say things about being transgender, Julia said, I didn't do that purposely because I wouldn't write something that I haven't experienced my myself. Right. Which makes me think, so she must have gotten pregnant by a car at some point in her life. I'm just joking. <laughs> but like I get what uh, I get what she's saying. She's not trying to yeah. create a narrative she doesn't know anything about. Well that's the thing is I always like I was in the position where I don't know what I'm talking about except for what people have educated me on yeah. with when it comes to transgenderism and gender roles and gender fluidity yeah. and all that stuff. It took me a long time to educate myself, and I do feel like I understand it enough to get it, but not I could never fully comprehend it because I've never been. Yeah. That's not how my brain works. That's not how my life is. And everybody's built differently, and there's nothing wrong with being built differently. But I, I did have to explain transgenderism and the whole concept to a person I worked with that is a few decades older than me and I felt I still was like you really need to like look up some actual people because I was like I still don't feel like I can explain it correctly you know but I feel like I just don't think Julia is the kind of person mm -hmm. to be like yeah I'm gonna talk about this that I don't really understand. Yeah. Like, she obviously has women at the center of her films because it's something she's more familiar with, but she also doesn't shy away from having extremely complex male characters. Yeah. And it is interesting. I do think she took a lot from her other actors, and it seems like it was pretty, like, collaborative. But yeah, I, she's not the kind of person to, like talk about that she even there was like a little thing about that we talked about with raw with one of the characters being gay that she wasn't like she was like i didn't want to write too much into it but i also felt like it was important that he looks at her as a person and not an object yeah and i thought that was the best way to portray it and that was like the one misstep we both kind of were like eh, like i feel like that was maybe a little weird but i yeah. think it's well-intentioned yeah and i didn't feel like this was a movie about being transgender, I felt like this was a movie about identities and gender roles. Yeah. And masculine versus feminine. But what does it really mean? And does it even mean anything? Yeah, exactly. Kind of thing. So basically, he takes Adrian slash Alexia to the firehouse. And he basically like, is just like, oh, they're so traumatized that they aren't going to talk. And Alexia does a pretty good job of like hiding what's going on and but the other firefighters aren't really buying it and when one of them i think is rayon mm -hmm. says something about it vincent immediately shuts him down and starts giving his son more responsibility there is a point where alexia almost leaves on a bus and there's a interesting scene where there are these men catcalling another woman and she's kind of like experiencing it from the outside because for the first time she's not the woman being objectified yeah and she ends up staying but she also kind Kind of abandons that poor woman on the bus but she's a psychopath so i do like this is another why when she goes back she realizes because vincent is 
addicted to steroids mm-hmm. usage, he's yes. collapsed on the floor and she, the whole time she hasn't spoke to him as Adrian, probably because he would recognize that her voice is feminine, but she comes back to him and she starts calling him Papa and she's like, Papa, Papa, mm-hmm. you have to get up, essentially. And she holds him and it is like the Pieta. So you see again that mm-hmm. like Christ-like imagery and I like the next scene a lot because she digs through family pictures and she is also, yeah. she finds a yellow dress in the closet and it's her first time in this new kind of foreign body because she is heavily pregnant at this point. She kind of admires her baby bump. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very visually interesting. But then when yes. Vincent comes back, he's like, I know you are my son. And he shows pictures of Adrian as a little boy wearing the dress. And it was like his mom's dress. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because like Vincent is so caring like there's a sequence where he's trying to dance with Adrian slash Alexia to the song she's not there Mm -hmm. which is interesting because she's not there because she's a psychopath and she's not emotionally there but also she's pretending to be another person I was like ooh I like it Julia I like the double meaning or triple meaning whatever it is where he's like he he does like the the weird like let's play fight son kind of thing we start slapping him around but then like He's also, like, very soft and, like, caring and loving. And you're like, okay. But he's also trying to hold on to his masculinity and his youth because he's, like, doing steroids all the time. He's frustrated at his own physical limitations. Yeah. Which I think is something I've experienced. Not my dad. Yeah. But one specific man that was in my life would compete with their son about physical stuff and it was real weird. Yeah, and he's also he's also afraid of mortality. He's afraid of dying and it's like he is yeah. trying to stay young and he's trying to essentially stay up to speed with all these young firefighters so he's like compulsively yeah. working out and he's not yes. young. He also calls himself God mm-hmm. and Adrian Jesus. Yes. Which is weird. And then Adrian's mother ends up coming for dinner. Yes. Played by Miriam Arcidio. Yeah, so she is a frequent collaborator of directors Jean-Pierre and Luc Dordin. Uh, and has appeared in a number of their movies, such as The Kid with a Bike, Two Days and Night, The Unknown Girl, and Young Ahmed. Oh, I've heard of Two Days and Night. Mm-hmm. But so she comes to dinner, and she is not fooled by Alexia at all. And she sees her, because she's in a lot of pain, because she's close to the inevitable. And she starts scratching. This is where the body horror really comes in. Because for one thing, she's wrapping her pregnant body, and she's having, like, motor oil come out of her breasts. And she's, like, milking herself with, like, motor oil, and it's... It's very grotesque. And then she scratches the side of her stomach because she's been wrapping herself. So she's got all these like cuts and bruises from wrapping her stomach and her body's fighting the wrapping because it wants to be, you know, it wants to welcome the baby because that's what your body does when you're pregnant. And like she rips open her skin and like it reveals that like her uterus is indeed like metal. Yeah. And is like, which I'm not a whiz at pregnant anatomy, but it's less blood than I would have expected, but I guess your uterus is in front of your organs, right? So it makes sense because that's how you can do like a C-section. Um, I just thought you had more muscles between that and your uterus, but I don't know. I'm not an OBGYN. And sh- but she asks Alexia to take care of Vincent. Yeah. She's like, I don't care who you are, but since he seems happy, whatever, just take care of him. And Vincent eventually does actually see her without her top on and just kind of ignores it. Yeah. And tells her whoever, eventually tells her like, whoever you are, you're my son. Yeah. So he does not care. He's just happy to have her. And eventually he kills the suspicious fireman in 
he like gives him like a tank filled with explosive gas and lets him get close to the fire and then it explodes yeah and oh oh oopsie poopsies like he's pretty desperate to keep his son yeah with him because this guy is very suspicious and then there's a party at the station there's a couple parties at the station which just like raw there's like these like party neon dance scenes um which i will say like the beginning of the movie is very colorful and the fire station isn't colorful unless they're in the bathroom which is like bright pink which a lot of like interesting stuff happens in the bathroom but alexia at this party does end up like doing like she's kind of like roped into dancing on top of one of the fire trucks and she ends up do like bringing out her old moves i don't know if you caught this i didn't catch it till the second time but her dance routine is to wayfaring stranger which is what again oh that's the song that her dad was listening yeah that and that hat was playing when the car wrecks and i was thinking because she's doing this dance routine and of course the firefighters are like what the fuck because you know it's like it's yeah, like it's like really weird yeah and it's like they think it's adrian and so like just just skinny white guy like you know, sensually dancing on top of a fire truck and Vincent walks in. Shaking their booty. And Vincent walks out disappointed. And, but before that, Mm -hmm. Alexia looks at him like she's not afraid to, like, I think it's Alexia feels like she's seen. Like, she's seen by the father figure she wasn't seen by before. And she reveals herself to him. And he does not accept that. It disappoints him. Not quite. Yeah. But I will say also, like, a little earlier, she ends up, like, taking a shower and for the first time she sees the baby like move mm-hmm. and she like apologizes to it yeah which i found was interesting because i was like so she's starting to feel things yeah she's not quite a psychopath anymore because of her relationship with vincent they both do their own separate like grieving when he doesn't accept her because she ends up having sex with the fire truck which sounds so silly but it's what happens yeah which i guess brings on her labor because then she starts going into labor but meanwhile Vincent is like super depressed and drinks himself into a stupor and then tries to light himself on fire which was terrifying and then he doesn't end up killing himself and then this is okay this is weird because there was a like there was a couple times in the movie where I thought she was gonna like kiss him and I was like but it's your dad but then it's not your dad yeah but it is your dad and she is like naked crawling through the firehouse in pain, in labor, and she eventually finds him, and she kind of, like, half-heartedly tries to seduce him, and then he's, he, like, pushes her back and tries to run, and then she, like, just begs him to help her, and he does, and he helps her give birth. It's terrifying. Her stomach is like ripping open to reveal more titanium uterus and she finally tells him her real name she's like i'm alexia and then as she's giving birth her titanium plate which in the beginning they were like it would take a lot to like hurt that it shouldn't ever like hurt her just like rips open and she ends up dying yeah but she does birth the car baby which i mean it doesn't look like a car it looks like a human baby with titanium stuff like it has a titanium spine vincent just holds he he kind of does he does mourn alexia for a second but then he holds the baby and is like i'm here i'm here so i thought the baby would have been a boy and i thought that maybe this was vincent's chance chance to raise a baby a boy again but it's actually a little girl so julia confirmed that and julia also confirmed that the baby's name is alexia because alexia shed her final skin and now she has created a better love a truer love a better version of humanity that is stronger again it's metaphor it's symbolic it also makes sense so that if vincent kept the baby he may have named her after her mother too 
So that also makes sense. Yeah, because she has passed away. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's the movie. I will say, actually, the rev up to the car baby birth scene really had me tense, but the actual scene wasn't that grotesque when I watched it the second time. But the first time I watched it, I was like, how are they going to do this? What is going to happen? Yeah. What is going to happen? Like, it really, like, was terrifying. But I think the second time around, the beginning's much more terrifying because I still felt really tense whenever she, like, killed people. Do we have any pros and cons about this movie that we have in our discussed i think we discussed a lot of things obviously the pros is julia is a incredible filmmaker she definitely has a way of seeing the world i think differently but very artistically i think not everyone's going to connect with her vision but it is definitely a incredible vision she has for both of the movies she's made and she did speak in reference to her first her third film she will be making and they said could you tell us anything about your third movie and she's like I can't but love 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 again it's always love so at the center of her film is there's always this preserving Mm -hmm. idea of love and it's always very unique characters and very unique situations finding love and that's what I loved about this movie is that it brings out these questions about like are we deserving of love like how it, no matter how bad a person is, are they deserving of love? And could they be changed through a true love, through a familiar type yeah. love? And I, I love that idea. And the movie is beautiful to look at. It's a beautiful movie to watch. There's all these very vibrant colors. Mm-hmm. You, we have the dance scene we talk about. The acting is very strong. It's a very well-crafted film. Yes. I would call it a fearless film. Yeah, I could agree with that. And I, I think I think you hit all the points, Britt. Yeah, I love how raw and honest she is. She just kind of pretends, presents a story without looking away from the action. And if it shocks people, it's incidental. And like, yeah, it's interesting how a character who's so devoid of emotion and love and kind of heartless and cruel, she's a murderer, driven by brain injury and paternal neglect. I will say there's this brief scene that we skipped over in um, the synopsis, which I'm, we I know we were running out of time, but she actually... They do, they get a house call and there's a lady that faints. He has her do CPR to the Macarena tune and uh, she she resuscitates the woman. I thought the second time around watching this, this is the first time she saved a life. And, and not taken one. Yeah. Ooh. And I'm like, it makes me wonder if in that moment, the emotional core of Alexia changed a little bit because I almost felt like I saw something in her face and her eyes when she looked at Vincent. It was like a shock surprise. Yeah. And I don't know the moment that Alexia becomes this new version of Alexia that is capable of, but I think that may have been one of the moments I could see it happening. Um, did you have a rating for it out of 10? I did. I gave it the same rating I did. I gave Raw, which was an 8.5. Once again, a stellar movie. I really liked it. I think it's very unique. It's different. We've been hitting a lot of home runs and movies that are very out there, like you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do like it. Um, <laughs> I can't recommend it to probably everybody, but I think a lot of people who probably wouldn't give it a shot, if they gave it a shot, they'd be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I do know a few people that were like, we can't, like one person from that podcast were like, I could not get through it. And I was like, and they weren't saying it was a bad movie. They were just saying I couldn't handle it. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, it's gory, but it's not, it's not gratuitous. Mm-hmm. I don't think. No. Like it's not, it's pretty believable. But you're also following a psychopathic serial killer. So, I also gave it an 8.5. I thought, I I had it as a 9 out of 10 originally because I love it. But it's the Mm rewatchability. I do think it loses some on the second watch because when 
once the baby has been spoiled for you, the middle to end isn't as exciting, but it's still interesting. I think Raw is still my favorite of hers, but Teton was still like my favorite movie I saw last year because it was so unique. Yeah. And I still love it very much. So it's closer to a nine than an eight. Okay. I don't know. I'm I'm very like, maybe it is a nine. But I feel like there are some things in here that like, it's not like Parasite where I can say anybody can see this movie and love it. I do think it has limits for some people. So yeah. I can't give it like a perfect 10. I get that. Did you have a Grindhouse Girls rating? I did. My brain was not working uh, very well this past week, but I did have one rating and I rated it L for lonely people who love one another. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. You know, I also had an L. Really? And it was the tattoo that Alexia has, which says, love is a dog from hell. But uh, that's not really a serious one, but I thought it was cute. Yeah. But also, both of mine are very similar, but it's just rather you want to call the thing in her hair a chopstick or a hairpin. Yeah. Basically. It's either rated C for cars, chopsticks, and catharsis, or H for horrific hairpins and high-octane love. H. H. We like H. I guess that concludes our episode on to 10 to 10 we we officially we don't have a movie to watch next week but we do have an oscar episode yeah all the oscar movies it's your assignment watch them all in a week and go insane could you imagine i'm excited but yes so try to watch don't kill yourselves trying to watch oscar movies we'll try not to spoil a lot of stuff yeah but we'll give you kind of our picks for some of the categories. Yeah. So yeah, so we're gonna like do 10 categories and we'll kind of tell you what our picks are, but and also like what we think the projected winner is probably gonna be. Yeah. But, you know, place your bets which ones we pick. Who knows? Yeah. So that's what we're doing next week, which I think will be kind of fun. We haven't really, we didn't really get to do that last year and we just kind of took up a bunch of time talking about them yeah so you know i don't know if we'll go into super in depth we won't go into spoilers or anything yeah it'll just be nice and that way it'll be enough time that if you guys want to watch a few movies before the oscars on that sunday you can like listen to what we say and be like okay well this one is the one that i'm gonna watch and yeah maybe these will be worth it kind of thing with that i think it is time for us to go we have recorded enough yes for tonight be safe be kind the world is kind of crazy right now just take care of each other check on your friends it's always good to touch base with people and sometimes you never know when you're the person who they needed to hear from and you didn't know that just be good be safe prayers Definitely for the people of Ukraine and everyone involved in that situation. Also, the people of Russia who very much do not want a war. Like, my heart just goes out to everybody on that side of the world right now. And I really hope this can be resolved peacefully. At least we have the Oscars to look forward to, to distract us a little bit. But honestly, really thinking about everybody. If, if you're listening out there... We love you. Be good. Be careful. Stay safe. I know, I'm not trying to get too political. It's just, it's humanitarian yeah. stuff. I lo- We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Go watch a crazy French car baby movie <laughs> for a little while. Take your vitamins. Wash your hands. Play with your fur babies. 
And yeah, we love you guys. Watch watch the movies. Yeah. Movies are great. Movies are great. Love Ukraine. There is a reason that like since cinema has been around, people have enjoyed going to movie theaters. It's been escapism from the real horrors that we ha- unfortunately have to deal with. And we've seen this time and time again for different wars in the Great Depression. And I, I think the power of movies is very healing. And I think that's why I love film so much is that it heals. And so with the events and in the world today even if you feel small and insignificant just send out good vibes and if you're the praying type pray and if you're not that's okay and watch something that makes you happy i'm getting a little emotional here but um on the smaller scale with your friends and family take the picture always take the picture and always um never hesitate to check on your friends no matter how busy i get it's always a joy to hear from my friends and um it's okay so I mean, I know it's not okay, but it's okay. But, um, yes. I love you. I love you too, but, um, your friends are never going to be mad to hear from you. So, um, you know, um, just take care of each other. Katie says that. I say that. Take care of each other and, um, do something nice for yourself. We, we love you guys all over the world. I know everywhere there's a couple of you and, um, even if there's just a couple of you, we're appreciative of you every week and we hope you stay safe and we hope you stay healthy. We hope you stay happy. As always, of course, we just look forward to see you next time um same spoopy time same spoopy channel yes well said yeah and of course just always stay spoopy, stay spoopy y'all night katie i'll talk to you yes. soon good night friends night. love you guys love you bye, bye. love you Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.